All right. Good to see everyone here today. Welcome back, Tony. Looks like the uh, airport's back in operation. All right, well, um, appreciate those who uh, were able to reach out this week and help those affected by the floods. Well done. If you have a Bible, Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 will be our text this morning. Let's go to Lord in prayer as we begin. Father, we ask this morning for your help as we look at your word, as we meditate on the truth of Christmas and on the truth of Advent. We ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would work in our hearts to bring the hope, the joy, the transformation that we need. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Advent. Advent means arrival. It's the time in the Christian calendar when Christians focus on expectantly waiting for the arrival of Jesus. Both at Christmas and, as we've noted, in his second coming. Now, during this Advent season, uh, we've been going through a brief series called The Long Night Waiting for his coming. We looked uh, last Sunday at the generations of those who believed and obeyed and waited and died without seeing the arrival of the Savior. The long night went on and on and on. But finally, the night began to lose its grip as the sun made his way toward our horizon. And at just the right time, night gave way to dawn. But I would hope, I would hate to be so uh, poetic that I failed to be clearly understood. So I want to take a moment this morning and just clarify some of the theology of the long night briefly. When I say night, I do not mean that there was no revelation from God during this time. Indeed, there was much. Nor do I mean that there was no hope during this time. For as long as the human race has been under the curse, there has always been salvation and redemption for those who put their faith in the promised Savior, the Christ. 
Rather, when I say night, I mean that the Christ had not yet been revealed to redeem us in time. The identity and means of God's rescuer and his rescue was a mystery revealed only in shadows at that stage. Now, when I say waiting here, I do not mean that we were wandering along hoping that something would happen to turn this around. Rather, I mean that God had made a promise that a son of Eve would break the curse. Genesis 3.15, and it's a promise that he continued to reiterate in different forms over the centuries. We were waiting on God to do what he said he would do. Finally, when I say coming, waiting for his coming, I do not mean that Christ merely arriving would fix everything. Indeed, if Jesus had come to earth but had failed to go to the cross, the night would not have ended. The the daytime in this metaphor, did not come at Christmas. The noonday sun, for which the race had so long waited and hoped and longed, is not Bethlehem, but Calvary. It's not the manger, it's the cross, it's not the birth of a baby, it's the death of God with us. In other words, it's not Christmas, it's Good Friday. But if Good Friday was the blazing high noon, Christmas was the early dawn. It is uh, an irony of Christmas that the dawn came in the dead of night. Luke 2.8 says there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Uh, the hymn writer Joseph Moore has uh, said it very well. This is where I have taken the title of this morning's sermon from. He said, Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Paul the Apostle describes the same event, the the dawn after the long night. Describes it in Galatians chapter 4, and beginning in verse 4, we'll look together at this briefly this morning. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, 
born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. just want to make uh, a few sort of scattered points from this text this morning as we think about Christmas and Advent. First one is this, God had no obligation to redeem us. We see that here in verse 5. The text there says, those who were under the law. Right? So God sent Jesus to redeem those who were under the law. And when he makes that point, the implication is that we were lawfully, rightfully condemned. I think we can easily forget this point and the magnitude of its implications. God was under no obligation to rescue us. None. In fact, he was under a moral obligation to condemn us. It was only by the most extraordinary means that God was even able morally, to rescue us. In order for God to justify us and still be just, as Paul describes it in Romans 3.26, he had to become one of us and die in our place. Extraordinary means. And the key here is, he didn't have to. He did not have to. He wanted to. And I think that's what the text is trying to say when it says, Son of God loves pure light. When, as Paul describes it, God sent forth his Son, that was love, that was pure love. There was zero obligation in that. It was just love. Love's Pure light shone in the face of Jesus. God's love for us shone in the fact that Jesus was here as one of us in order to redeem us. That's the first point. Second point is this. Jesus was born to die. Now, we see that in verse 5 as well. The statement there is, to redeem us. That's why he was born. For the purpose of redeeming us. And redemption, we know, was life for life. So Jesus was actually born, he was sent by God into the world for the purpose of dying. The purpose of Jesus' birth was to redeem us by his death. If Jesus' death had not been necessary to our redemption, Jesus would not have been born. It was not necessary for God to come to us and be born of a woman. That's what it, when that, that phrase is a Jewish idiom that means a human being. 
He didn't need to become a human being if he didn't need to die. Jesus' primary purpose in coming to this earth was he needed to die to redeem us. That's why the hymn says, Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus is the dawn. Right? Um, In his face, we see the radiant beams of the dawn of redeeming grace. Redeeming grace. It is not dawn because it's poetic. It's dawn because he's still a baby. Right? He, he, He hasn't grown up yet, and so he's not ready to die in our place. That's why it's dawn and not day. But he will. He will grow up, and he will die in our place. That's why his face is not yet noon. It is dawn. See, Jesus doesn't coincide with the dawn. Right? He didn't just come, happen to be at the same time as the dawn. Um, he is in himself. <laughs> The light, the dawn. Jesus actually describes himself in this way in John twelve forty six. He says, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He describes his advent as the coming of the light. So Jesus was born in order to die, in order to redeem us. That's the second thought. Third thought I want us to notice here this morning is that grace was lavished on us at Christmas. We see this also in verse 5 there. Um, now, as we've, as we've already noted, God had no obligation to redeem us, so we know that. Um, and that means that when he sent his son to redeem us, it was purely on the basis of grace. Undeserved favor. So so we know that this redemption was purely grace. But we also see that God did not stop with mere rescue. He redeemed us in verse 5 so that he could adopt us into his own family. Right? Do you see that there at the end of verse 5? So that we might receive adoption. As sons. It wasn't enough for God to save our souls. He wanted to make us his very own beloved children. This is what John refers to in, in his gospel when he says, grace upon grace. Right? God lavished grace on us. He didn't just get us through the door. He got us through the door and brought us into his home and gave us our own bedroom and made us part of the family. The fourth and final thing I want us to notice this morning is that that phrase in verse 4 says, but when the fullness of time had come. The fullness of time, it, it, was, an, it was an about time situation. Right? 
without trying to be irreverent here, um, we had waited for thousands of years. We had waited and waited and it was getting old and it was getting hard and we were tempted to lose hope. Another hymn writer captured it so well when he says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. What pining is longing for. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. He calls it the weary world. And here's here's the thing. If we don't understand this this long lay the world in sin and error pining and this the weary world, if we don't get that, we won't get a thrill of hope and the weary world rejoices. Right? That's what makes this so amazing. But we ought to get that. Because we live in the same world. This is, this is the thing about Advent. It reminds us and clarifies that this waiting wasn't just them for him the first time. It's us for him the second time. And we feel it. We feel it like they felt it. We live in the same world. We wait for the second coming, the reversal of the curse, just like they waited for the first coming and the crushing of the serpent's head. That, that's the same thing. We're waiting and we know what it feels like. We get this pining. We get this weary. We get that. But the line that connects weary waiting and, and thrill and rejoicing is till he appeared. Christmas, right? Long lay the world in sin and error, pining until he appeared. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Here it is, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. This is the only reasonable response to seeing Christmas curve. Worship. Fall on your knees. Joy and worship. Because after the long night of waiting comes the dawn of redeeming grace. Father, this morning we thank you for the revelation of yourself to us in the face of Jesus Christ. We thank you that after millennia of waiting, you did exactly what you said you would do. You sent a son of Eve. who was the Son of God, to redeem us. To buy us back from sin, from the curse at the cost of your own blood.
We pray, Father, this morning as we wait for the shadow of that, we, in a sense, relive that cycle. More night. Waiting for the dawn at which you will come back and you will finish everything you started. You will complete the work of redemption even even to the tips of every blade of grass. The temperature, the environment, the trees, the creation which groans will be redeemed. As we look forward to that, Father, this morning, help us to wait well and to take confidence and take hope from the fact that those who waited well for so many thousands of years were not fools. They believed you and you did exactly what you said you would do. We ask you for your help in this this morning. In Jesus' name.